Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast, the end of the year podcast. We will be rejoining you right before the NFL playoffs. And until then, we will be joined today by the Michigan running back, Blake Corum, who might have been on pace to win the Heisman Trophy before he suffered an injury to his meniscus, for which he recently underwent surgery. And he now must decide whether to return to the University of Michigan or to enter the NFL and declare for the draft this upcoming spring. He'll talk about his big decision here. And we'll hear from the former head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, the man who spent recent seasons at Arizona State, a man who's coached in the pros and in college and is interested in being a head coach in the National Football League again. The great Marvin Lewis will join us today. And we are back from Green Bay where we spent Monday night, December 19th, doing something we never would have imagined that we would be doing. But as we were doing Monday night countdown, about 7.30 Eastern, Susie Culber started reading a promotion that would be for an element upcoming in the show in which they played my Lambo Leap the last time that we were in Green Bay. And there was footage there that I hadn't seen before of me making a fool of myself. And she said, please join us again. Later in the show, when we see if Adam Schefter does the Lambo Leap again. Now, let me say this. We never discussed me doing the Lambo Leap on Monday night, whereas the last time we were there, and I actually did it, it was planned. We discussed it. I had stretched out. I had worn the right clothing. It was in my mind during the show, I'm going to be trying to get up there with my three-inch vertical leap to get into the stands, and how am I going to do this? And when they played the tease during the show on Monday night, and Susie said, join us to see if Adam does it again. I said, there's no chance I'm doing it again. And even my daughter at home texted, are you doing the Lambo Leap? And I texted back, no way. I'm freezing. It is so cold here that if I try to move my bones, they'll break. They're that brittle. So I never, ever planned or imagined or expected to be doing anything of the sort that we did on Monday night. But lo and behold, in the very last segment, after we do Come On Man, Robert Griffin, which was planned, took off for the end zone, and very simply and effortlessly jumped up into the stands, like five feet vertical leap, unbelievable, right into the stands, easy, no problem, and Steve Young was running behind him. Now, this reminded me of being in Chicago because we were on the field with Justin Jefferson, and Steve Young is doing the gritty with Justin Jefferson, and it was so fun and contagious that I got in with Steve Young, only they got me on camera in my furry boots, and I became the national joke. Well, this particular time, like, I'm running with Steve. Steve is the one that was out front. I was just trying to keep up with him. RG3 jumps up into the stands, and the next thing you know, I go my three inches off the ground and get pulled up into the stands, and I will say, it felt every bit as exhilarating as the last time we attempted to jump, if you want to call it that, into the stands at Lambeau Field. So a big shout out and a big thank you to all those fans in the front row at Lambeau Field who made my leap, if you want to call it that, possible on Monday night to join RG3. It was a great sport in the stands who got up there very simply. And it was a great thrill. And I think I've decided now, like every time we go back there, you got to do that. And I got to work on my vertical, as my family has reminded me. Like we can't just be jumping three inches off the ground. We got to get four and a half, five inches off the ground and give those fans a better chance to tug me up into the stands the next time. As we do this year-end podcast, we also can begin to look ahead to 2023. I think one of the most interesting elements of the close of this season and the start of the offseason are all the quarterbacks currently alive who are now in the last year of their contract. Now, Every year, there has to be some quarterbacks in the last year of their contract, but I don't know that we've ever had a year quite like this where you have quarterbacks vying for playoff spots who also are vying for bigger deals in the offseason. So the stakes are high for their teams, and they're high for themselves. Think about this, right? These are all quarterbacks in the last year of their deal currently right now as we record this podcast on Tuesday morning, December 20th. Tom Brady, last year of his deal, can't tag him. Tom Brady can do what he wants. Wouldn't shock me if he played again next year. Tom Brady's going to be a free agent this offseason if he wants to keep playing. 
Geno Smith, last year of his contract in Seattle, trying to get the Seahawks to the playoffs. A lot on the line for him. Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, in the last year of his deal, trying to get the Giants to the playoffs. Lamar Jackson, who we think will be back on Christmas Eve night against the Falcons in the last year of his contract after turning down the big money that he did. Mike White trying to get back from fractured ribs in the last year of his contract. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers quarterback, who is sidelined indefinitely with a broken foot in the last year of his contract. That's Tom Brady, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, Mike White, Jimmy Garoppolo. Then we have the idea that Justin Herbert, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, Joe Burrow, all in the same category of all being eligible for a new deal for the first time in the NFL contract extension this offseason, when all three of them have the potential to reset the quarterback market. And so here are a group of quarterbacks, a lengthy group of quarterbacks, all with huge stakes in this season, all with huge stakes after the season. And that doesn't even include Jalen Hurts, who also is eligible for a new deal as part of being in the same quarterback draft class, though not a first-round pick, with Joe Burrow and Tua Tungabailoa and Justin Herbert. So there is all sorts of quarterback intrigue and drama as we get ready to close the 2022 year and begin to look ahead to the 2023 year. Now, one of the big storylines of 2022 was the emergence of Michigan running back Blake Corum, who was tremendous until he tore his meniscus against Illinois and recently had surgery that knocked him out for the rest of the season. Michigan running back, Blake Corum. So how you doing there, Blake? I'm doing good. You know, I'm, I'm living. I see you limping around there. I see you limping still. Huh? Where are we at with everything? Uh, I got my crutches right over here. I'm a, you know, I had got surgery and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I'm just getting rehab. Um, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a couple months, you know. So right now I'm just non weight bearing. Uh, I'm on crutches, uh, but you know I'm still putting that work in. You know I just got done doing a lift. Uh, you know nothing nothing's gonna stop me. Love that attitude. What was the injury exactly? Because I remember watching the game that day against Illinois, and as soon as I saw it, I said ACL. That was my thinking right away, right? And you actually, I think you came back in for a play that game, right? And then the next week, you, you're out there again. I'm saying, oh, my God, I cannot believe that this guy's out there. What was the injury, Blake? Yeah, so I don't know the exact terminology. Um, it, I had to get a meniscus uh, repair. Um, it wasn't, you know, one of the ones where you can go in and scope and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I, I went in and repaired it. It's looking good. Uh, you know, it's not as bad as ACL, MCL. It's none of that. You know, it's, it's my meniscus. Uh, like you said, I tried playing Ohio State game. Uh, you know, I didn't practice too much that week. Um, but in the game, you know, I, I wasn't able to play the game that I, you know, my my ability, you know, my cutting and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I gave it, I gave it two runs. You know, my my knee gave out on me, and uh, that's all she wrote. But uh, like I said, you know, I'm doing better. It's it's looking really good. It's honestly looking really good. The swelling's all the way down. You know, now it's just that get back, uh, and it, w- it won't be too long. Take me back to that Ohio State game, right? Because you didn't practice much that week. You go out there, you play two plays. What was mm-hmm. it like for you to be out there? What did it feel like, and how did you know it wasn't right? I mean, you know, I knew it wasn't right all week, right? But, you know, strong mind, strong body. Uh, you know, I, I mentally I was like, you know, if I don't, if I don't try, I might live with regret. If I, if I don't try, I might live with regret. So, uh, you know, the doctor said, you know, it, it couldn't get worse. You know, it's not it's not going to feel good at all, but it's not going to get worse. And so uh, once they told me that, I'm like, I'm playing. Uh, and my first run was probably like three, four yards. I'm like, <laughs> if I play, it's going to be a long day for me. Wow. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that second run, uh, I tried cutting, doing a cut that I usually do, a quick, a quick little cut. And as soon as I cut, uh, my knee, like my leg gave out on me a little bit. And I'm like, you know, uh, team wise, you know, it's probably best. I don't, I don't play. It's, it's probably best. I just try to coach from the sideline and keep my guys up. So, um, you know, although it, you know, it hurt, it hurt. Cause you know, I wanted to be out there, you know, that was a personally, um, it was, it was, it was going to be a big game for me. 
but you know that's that's not what God intended. Um, that's that's not that wasn't part of my journey. So um, you know it is what it is. But uh, you know I'm I'm good. Like I said, what was it like to watch your guys, your teammates that day at Ohio State, and then go on? and win the Big Ten Championship against Purdue? What's it been like for you to stand on the sidelines and watch it? I mean, you know, that competitor in me wants to be out there, right? I want to be out there, you know, juking people, running people over, scoring touchdowns, being there with the team. So it hurt. It hurt a little bit, but I I knew, like, my guys were going to get the job done, and I had full faith that, like, you know, I know the work they put in. I know how much they they care about, you know, winning. I know I know what they do. You know, I've been there in the offseason when – you know, we're we're running the one fifties and you know, people are throwing up, you know what I'm saying? And like I know the work that my team put in. So, you know, just watching from the sideline, you know, sometimes it's just as good as playing. You know, being able to see wow. those guys, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, like, you know, I'm I'm sitting back, I'm used I'm usually in the game, right? Fighting with my guys, going to war. And just because I was on the sideline doesn't mean, you know, I wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I was still part of the game. I was keeping my guys up, telling them, listen, this is what I see. You know what I'm saying? So if you go this, you might want to cut here. You know, giving them my pre-snap breeze for wow. my film study and stuff like that. So, like, though, you know, I wanted to play, right? I wanted to play. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to score. You know, I, ch- I had to change my mindset and be like, hey, it is what it is. How can you help the team? And so getting the ability to sit back and watch – you know, the offensive line, fire off the ball and crush the D-line. The ability to watch the, you know, the defensive ends and the linebackers, you know, fly to the ball, 11 hats, 11 hats to the ball, making the tackles. You know, the ability to see uh, Donovan, you know what I'm saying? See see him run. Tell him what I see. Like, you know, it, that means a lot to me too. So, um, you know, I think in life in general, everything is about perspective. And so, I mean, I had the right perspective on it, and, uh, you know, I was good. Where does that perspective come from, Blake? <laughs> you know, uh, obviously, you know, I, I was raised um, the right way. You know, my parents instilled in me, like, hard work, you know, mindset, attitude. You know, I feel like the main things that play a part in your life, right? And so, like, if you if you say, you, like I said, I tore my knee, right? Yeah. So I had to automatically change my perspective. You know what I'm saying? Because if I didn't, I would have been in a hole. You know, I, I might I might have been depressed. I might have, you know, been sad, you know, and and in life, like you can't you, you can't live that way. You know what I'm saying? I'm all about peace and happiness and stuff like that. So like, you know, the ways my the way my parents raised me, and then you know, just finding stuff out on my own, you know, my own perspective and things like that. So like as soon as my need happened, obviously I was hurt, I was disappointed uh when I got back to MRI. But like I knew automatically I had to change my perspective, hmm. you know, because if I didn't, like I said, I would have been in probably in a dark place. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You bring you bring up your mom and your dad, and obviously the perspective you've gained from them. Are there any other role models that you've had during the course of your life that have helped you feel that way, that stand out to you, 
Who are they and what they teach you? Yeah. Mike Hart. Oh. Big, big role. You know what I'm saying? He was going, he was going through some things the same time I was going through some things. So we were able to, you know, be there for each other. You know, we were able to share each other's perspective. Like our perspective was kind of like, and this is what we told each other, like it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. You know what I'm saying? So like, what, what are we going to be mad for? What are we going to be sad for? You know? So like, it is what it is. We have, we have to keep going, you know? Uh, and that, that was kind of the perspective. And so, uh, you know, like those people in my life have helped me, you know, through this, through this little process because it, it could have been way worse. You know, this is, this is something small, you know what I'm saying? And so let me like, tell you something, Blake. Going to college is about gaining perspective and leaning on role models and watching the way people do things. And when I went to Michigan, there were mm-hmm. a lot of people that influenced my life at that point in time. I could think back to a writing professor I had who still lives in Ann Arbor by the name of Don Kubit. And I'm calling him up by name. I've never done that publicly. But here was a guy who saw something in me that I never even saw myself and worked on my writing and reporting abilities and we would meet weekly and just talk about articles I'd written and we talk about things I love to read. And he left an indelible mark on me. I could think of Bo Schembechler, the great Michigan right. football coach. You yeah, know yeah, him, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. He would have press conferences every Monday in Ann Arbor where they would serve lunch and he would talk about the upcoming opponent. And I would skip class to go to that session every Monday to listen <laughs> to Bo. And every okay. week I felt like I learned from him and just watched the way he operated. And at the end of the year, I walked over to him. I said, Coach, I just want to thank you for all your time and all your thoughts this year. I learned so much. And he looked at me and he shook his head and he slapped my cheek and he said, you like the bull, <laughs> son, don't you? <laughs> and that was Bo Schembechler. So that's, that's a good one. So to be in college, the idea of part of that is to be around people that you learn from. You get to learn from Mike Hart, who's on your coaching staff, right? You get to learn from others. Yeah, most most definitely, most definitely. You know, and I think, you know, as you know, this is the place to be. You know, Mich- you know, two Michigan men right here talking to each other. But uh, now nah, um, it, it, it's been great. You know, it's, it's been great. Now, will you be making the trip to Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl to support your guys? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. You'll be there. I will, I will be there. And what will be will going be through there. your mind as they're charging onto the field to go play TCU and to compete for the national championship here? Oh, what will be going through my mind? Uh, you know, I'll be thinking about the preparation that we we put in so far. Um, I will be thinking about uh, the W. Um, I will be thinking about what my offensive line is going to do to mm-hmm. their defensive line. And I'll just be thinking, you know, overall about the team win, you know what I'm saying? But also, you know, from my like, I, like I said, I'll be on the sidelines, and you know, I've been watching film and things like that. So, like, I'll be able to tell them like what I see, you know. So maybe I can, maybe be Coach Hart's assistant that day. But so, so you've actually studied film at TCU so that you could yeah. aid your fellow running backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I watch. Uh, you know, I, it's not. I haven't watched as much film as I would have if I were playing. Yep. But I, I have been watching film, and uh, you know, I, I know, I know what uh their tendencies are, and you know. I'm going to be able to help my teammates out. See, back to the perspective thing, and I'm bouncing all around here a little bit, but I think about you also, the videos that came out about you with your NIL money, you taking the NIL money that you made and going to feed people who were less fortunate around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Have you spent all your NIL money on that, Blake? Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. So I haven't, uh, I haven't spent everything, right? So, uh, but, you know, I, I spent a good amount. Um so I, I've I've saved some of my nil nil money, you know I put that to the side. I, I I tend not to spend my nil money, you know what I'm saying. So it's either I'm giving it back or I'm setting it to the side, you know, for the future or whatever that may be. Um, I, I haven't touched it at all actually, but uh, so I I would I haven't spent uh all my nil money on giving back, but you know a good portion and and what I'm gonna continue to do is give back and whatever way that may be, whether it be you know giving toys during the Christmas season uh, to kids that are less fortunate, uh, giving turkeys, you know, to during Thanksgiving, you know what I'm saying? Holding, holding football camps, um, whatever, whatever I can do to help the next generation, you know, chase their dreams or just to inspire, you know, the elderly or, you know, just a, a man or a woman to keep them going in their career and just give them a little bit of motivation and inspiration. Uh, I will do, 
And so, uh, so like you said, you know, I, I haven't spent all my and all money on um, giving back, but I, I spent a good amount. And why is that important to you? Well, I was I was raised I was raised uh, in the church, um, and I always wanted to give back to the church. And you know, when I was little, like I I didn't have money, so I would ask my dad, hey, "Dad, let me let me get a dollar so I can put it in the pot." <laughs> and it felt like I was giving a dollar, right? And so ever since then, I've always like been a giver. You know what I'm saying? Whether that be you know, seeing some homeless people maybe on the corner and saying, hey, Dad, you, you have some change or can we go get them something to eat? You know what I'm saying? I've always wanted to give. And so, like, the NCAA allowing us to make money off our name, image, and likeness has allowed me to make my own money hmm. and, and give back. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I've been waiting for, you know, to be able to put a smile on someone's face. You know what I'm saying? So when we go back to talking about perspective, you know, I I believe in just peace and happiness, right? And so, like, Putting a smile on someone's face brings me peace, you know. And so um, that's just what I like to do. Does that NIL money influence whether you would leave school early or stay behind because you could make money while you're in school? Is there any influence there, Blake? Uh, For me, uh, personally, not. No, there's there's no influence on that. Um, At the end of the day, you know, it would be a, it's going to be a business decision, right? Yep. You know, what, what's better? Uh, what, what does Blake Corum want? Um, and so it's, it's going to be a business decision at the end of the day. It's not going to have anything to do with NIL or how much money I can make in Michigan or, or anything like that. Um, it's, it's going to come down to what's best for Blake Corum and his future and his family. Uh, and, and what he wants. Well, what type of, does he, what, what does he want to leave? So what is best for Blake Corum? And what is the best thing for him going forward here? Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out, honestly. You know, uh, a lot has been happening recently with the injury. And, you know, I've thought about it a little bit. But right now, you know, I'm just trying to figure some things out, get my knee right. Um, And so, you know, I have have a couple weeks, you know, before I I have to decide on what's best for me and what I should do. So I'm going to try to put some puzzle pieces together. And uh, and see and see what's best. What is the deadline for declaring for the draft, Blake? I believe it's like January sixteenth or something like that. So you have to have a decision by then. Are you telling me that you haven't made a decision in your mind? I'm fifty fifty. I have not made a decision. Fifty fifty. Uh, I am fifty fifty. Uh, you know, uh, it's 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 a hard decision. You know what I'm saying? It's a hard decision. And like what I said, I got I got to think about what's best for Blake Corum. And so uh, I, I don't I don't know where that where that well, may be. Let's talk about this for a second, right? If you're 50 50 and you go either way, I'll give you the mm-hmm. case for each side. Okay, that's why I asked okay. about the nil money because if you're in school and you're making money, mm-hmm. well, then that's a great thing while you're making money and getting your degree. Yeah. Right. The yeah. flip side would be to go to the NFL. What what round? I'm sure you've asked around. What round would you expect to go in right now? I haven't. I have not asked anybody. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a day two, uh, if anything, early day three. Okay, I agree with that. That would be my early assessment without asking anybody across the league. So, okay, let, mm-hmm. let, let's just say you're a third round pick. Okay, mm-hmm. third fourth round pick. Okay, because that's the area and the range you gave me. So, if you're a third or fourth round pick, you go make that money, but you can go back, I guess, and finish your degree. Good. I'm almost done. Okay, good. How many credits left? Uh, I took my advice the other day. I think 12 to the semester. So you can go either way. And again, I don't know what the NIL money is in college. So it's hard for me to be fully educated there. But it sounds like you've got two good, viable options. Like I said, I've I've been been talking to the coaches in the facility. You know, I talk to my parents. I pray on it. And, you know, it's going to be a win-win. You know what I'm saying? But whatever decision I make, I just got to go with it, you know? And so, uh, you know, I've been praying on it a lot. Uh, you know, I have some more thinking to do. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make that decision. How do you think the clarity will come to you? What are you looking for? I'm just I'm, I'm just looking for, uh, you know, maybe, a, like I said, I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. So, like, just I, w- I want something from him. You know what I'm saying? I, I pray on it a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm that gut feeling. You know, I know you sometimes you have that, that, gut, that gut feeling. And so that's what I'm kind of relying on. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm going to listen to, you know, what the coaches think, what my parents think, and 
put everything together and then put my own thoughts into it and then uh, make what was the best decision for me. But the fact that you have not had that signal, that sign, that gut feeling yet is pretty interesting to me. It's, it's interesting because, you know, the thing is, I've had gut feelings for both. You know, shit. What do I want to leave? You know, oh, you know, go ahead, go ahead and get started on my career. You know what I'm saying? I've I've had gut, I've had gut feelings for both for both ways. You know, so uh, now it's just like, what what do I want to do? You know, that's what it's gonna come down. What do I what do I what does Blake Corn want? I don't know. I don't know yet. And I have some I have some weeks to figure that out. So uh, like I said, I'm gonna continue to pray on it. I'll tell you one other thing. Talk to me. You get four years of college. Everybody gets four years, or if you go early. You never get those years back. Those are great years. And I'm not trying to say stay. I want you to do what's best for you. And I really mean that. Okay? Yeah. But college is a special time and a special experience. And you get the unique experience of being in a program like that around the mm-hmm. guys that you are and the coaching staff that you are. That's that's a pretty special thing. But if going to the pros appeals to you, hey, we're, we're waiting for you too. We'll be here waiting for you, Blake. Yes, sir. Waiting for you and pulling for you. There's always a spot for a guy with your kind of perspective and your kind of spirit and your kind of generosity. That's right. That's right. So like, like I said, you know, it's going to be a win-win, whatever, whatever I do is going to, it's going to be a win-win. I feel like I'm going to be very successful uh, from just, you know, working hard, you know, being the type of person I am and and how much just I love the game. And so, um, you know, like I said, I'm going to pray on it. I got, I got a couple more weeks. There's so much asked of you. And there's so much time commitments that you have. So maybe this is unfair. But if you couldn't play football and you left school, mm-hmm. what would you like to do? Is there anything that you would like to pursue? Yeah, I would like I would, I would like to get into like a sports broadcasting. Uh, you know, maybe find a job somewhere, maybe on ESPN or you know, just talking about sports, talking about players. Uh, I think I think that would uh, some in front of the camera. You know, I, I like being in front of the camera. I like smiling and, and talking about sports and things like that. So, um, you know, something in the sports broadcasting world. I've spoken to some of your teammates about that in the past. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Have you? You, you haven't okay. called me. I, I'm happy to give you advice to AJ Henning. I've spoken to about that. He wants. Oh, did to you? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, AJ. Uh, he wants to do that. He does. He does a lot of in, in, uh, impersonations uh, <laughs> in, in in the team room. So uh, yeah, he's 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 pretty good at it too. You know, he's pretty good at it. So here. I would love to get some advice from well, here's, you. Well, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. First, have you done any of that while you were at school or no? I haven't. I haven't. No. So here's what I would say. If if you go back, which you may come into the pros, then it's a different deal. But if you were to return, I would say you're in an incredible position. You are who you are. You're Blake Corum. I would work on the side doing interviews, a podcast, mm-hmm. trying things while you're at school. So in other words, while you're finishing your degree, you're dabbling in the media and broadcasting and getting a taste of what that's like while you're playing for the football team and making your NIL money. Like I can make a good case for that, that road, Mm -hmm. if that's what you wanted to do, where you could take your name and your position and capitalize upon that, not just in the NIL way, but to gain valued broadcasting experience like you could be doing a weekly interview for a tv station in town you could be yeah. doing a weekly podcast on your own with a player a player of the week sitting down with blake corum sure somebody in the athletic department there would be too happy to help you to do that and yeah. and i and i spoke to aj about some of that stuff in the past and other people too who have called um that the school is connecting me to so that that to me if if you wound up going back as an added option now if you go the pro route it's harder to do that right away because you got to concentrate on making the roster and right, right. securing your position and getting acclimated to the national football. League. So broadcasting takes a backseat to a certain extent right away, but the best time to try to capitalize upon your position probably is while you're playing to get that experience. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, but you got to do it. You got to try it. Yeah. You know, I have to, I have to, and I've, I've thought about it a bunch of times. Like, you know, I created a YouTube channel because I was about to do a podcast. There you go. I just never, I just never went went through with it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm gonna have. Hey, I'm gonna have how to. about this? Over the next two weeks, do like a daily update on mm-hmm. YouTube. The Blake Corum right. update on the Michigan football team. Sit down yeah. with a different guy every day. 
Give everybody a, a two, three, I should, four. I minute. Do that. I'm, I'm gonna have to do that. See that now? now yeah. You're covering your team right. in a friendly way. You're putting your right. guys out there. You're getting experience where everybody wants to hear about the Michigan football team right now. Right, right. Now you're right. You're right. So that would be a great experience for you. Right now, that, that's a that's a great idea. That's some good advice. I'm, I'm gonna have to do that. Right, and if you ever need a guess, you're stuck. Your your teammates blow you off. You always call me. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> hey Blake, I want to thank you very much for the time. Congratulations on everything that you've achieved. Good luck with everything that's ahead. You're a credit to the university, and I wish only great things for you in the future as well. I appreciate that. And there is the Michigan running back Blake Corum. We wish him the best with his big decision. Really hard to tell what he's going to do. My guess is he does go pro, but certainly there are elements that could compel him to return to Michigan. And whatever will work best for him, we wish him the best with. From Blake Corum to the former head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, a great man, Marvin Lewis. Hello, Marvin. Good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, how are you? Good. I appreciate coming on. First of all, I'm looking at all those jerseys behind you. And obviously, these are all men you coached. And obviously, these are all men in the Except for Lem Barney. Oh, Lem Barney oh excuse me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. You didn't coach Lem Barney. Correct. But I noticed they, we see Bruce Smith, Rod Woodson, Daryl Green, Ray Lewis, Kevin Green, Lem Barney, who you didn't coach. All of them are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Exactly. So you've now coached in the pros in Cincinnati and Baltimore. You've coached in college. How would you envision your future going? Would you still like to coach, Marvin? Yeah, I, I miss I really miss coaching. You know, I have only been really one of the active coaches, the one the COVID season when we lost a couple of coordinators and Coach Edwards asked me to to install the defense, coordinate the defense the 20 season and uh, which was shortened by COVID. But uh, I really do miss the coaching aspect. My role has been to be supportive of the coaches here and help these players uh, as they try to make a transition. So what I envision now is, is as you watch, college football has seen big time in the National Football League uh, with the, the mobile quarterbacks, the zone read offense, uh, the RPO offense and everything. The offense has figured a way to make it 11 on 11 football. And, uh, you know, they've gone back to having the advantage again. You know, the rules kind of always still favor the offense to score touchdowns, but this has even made it tougher uh, all the way through. So uh, being around and, and watching how people defend this, watching how people execute these offenses. You know, the the, the chic term is this air raid offense, uh, which, you know, uh, spreads the field, puts the, the decision-making in the quarterback's hands, and uh, he's one, two, and run. And uh, those guys are all mobile. They're able to keep moving chains and making plays. And uh, so you really have to be very disciplined on defense in order to defend that. So you'd like to coach in the NFL again. You'd obviously like to be a head coach in the NFL again. Yes. What do you think you could bring to a franchise that we're willing to consider you for their head coaching opening? And we're going to have some here in the coming days. Well, I think I've had the experience of done it. And if you look at the, the track record of many of my peers that are still coaching the National Football League, the second time around, just things are just a lot smoother because you know what's going to happen. You anticipate what's going to happen. Uh, you know how to work through that. Uh, as you put the staff together, uh, you know, it, it was really important. Like I said, when we opened up, I was very fortunate at my staff throughout the time in Cincinnati. I had fine, fine coaches that I worked with. And, and that's really important that I get football coaches and, and guys that can uh, not only schematically and so forth, but can really pull the best out of the players day in and day out. And, and that's so much uh, important. And so how important that is and setting that direction daily. Uh, you know, like we, we've been talking about, uh, these young guys now come out. It's a different they, they have a different perception of what's ahead. And so you're trying to uh, really day in and day out, get them to understand that success is great for all of us. And it takes all of us pulling in the same direction to get that done. So I think that, you know, that experience, uh, the opportunity with, uh, you know, looking at players, evaluating players all the time, day in and day out helping, you know, alongside somebody build a roster uh, that can handle the, the ups and downs of the season in the National Football League. Correct me if I'm wrong, but last year during that cycle, 
Did anybody interview you for their head coaching job? I think you were in the discussion or at one point with Houston, if I remember correctly. I don't know what materialized there, but what happened last year? Uh, this past hiring cycle, no, I, I did not. Uh, I did not interview with any of the clubs uh, this last past hiring cycle. And do you think that that had anything to do with the fact that people thought perhaps you were in college, they were unaware that you wanted to coach? Why was it that you think that perhaps you were not more in consideration for a head coaching job during the last cycle? No, Adam, I, I really can't answer that, you know, because I'm not one of those people, uh, you know, making those decisions uh, that way. You know, I did uh, speak with four clubs the year before and, wow. uh, and did not, you know, obviously land the position. But, uh, you know, I, I think there was talk. I was told a couple of times that maybe people didn't realize uh, I still wanted to do it and had the fire and the passion to do it. Uh, and, and I do. You know, I've been working 14, 15, 16 hours a day, whatever it's taken at the, you know, what I've been doing here at ASU uh, over the last three seasons. And, uh, you know, that that hasn't changed. So, uh, you know, I've all I can do was what my job is and, and the best I can do at my role. So for the record, you would like to be a head coach again. You have the fire and passion to be a head coach again. And you believe you would be a successful head coach again in your second time around. Yes, 100 percent. You know, I really do uh, have the drive, have the fire. Uh, the energy uh, to do it. And I think that the week in and week out of the ups and downs, you know, the peaks and the valleys that you go through during an NFL season, I, I sit back and watch, you know, my friends and, and colleagues and peers, you know, week in and week out. And, and I feel the anguish on their faces. I know those looks, I know those feels. And, uh, and, you know, like once in a while, you got to send an encouraging text to somebody uh, that, you know, it's going to be better tomorrow. And you just got to, you know, Pull your marbles back together, put them in the bag, shine them up, and get them ready to go again the next week. Wait, so you see the anguish on your friends' faces. You know what oh, they're yeah. feeling. And you want to do that again, Marvin? Well, I just feel like there's a lot of the – to me, the difference in the National Football League is, is how you get through the details, how you coach the details, how you help put your players in position to be successful in, in, in those situations, situational football the details of the situation of football. And, and that's the challenge, you know, the daily challenge. And, and that's what drives you, you know, to be the best at that, you know, week in and week out. When you watch these games and you see the sport the way you do today, what stands out to you about it, Marvin? I, I think a lot of, we know that, uh, you know, the work, work rules are continually changing. Uh, COVID has brought in some, some different work rules and so forth how you practice and some things like that. But I think you still have to have the internal leadership to get the guys to understand there is a volume of work that we have to get done in order to be successful, in order to go out there on Sunday and, and outwork the other club, uh, be in the right spots, beat them to the spots to be successful and win those downs. And I think that's the thing that, uh, you know, is, is you can see in some ways a lack of detail a lack of finish uh, in, in a lot of ways with some of the teams that, you know, everybody gets to this mid-season point, which we were at about three weeks ago. And then you've seen some teams go one direction, some teams go the other direction. And I think that's that. It's those details, those coaches that convince and get their players to pull all in the right direction. And they have that, they can, you know, call on that internal leadership to get that done in order to push them over the hump so that now they're looking at being, you know, as we've got some teams that are, uh, you know, uh, 12, 11 and three, 11 and four, whatever it is right now at this point with now the 17 game season. But now they're pushing forward and they're, and they're trying to get those top spots and, and earn their way. And then you have that group of that second tier teams that are trying to stay in those those playoff spots. So I think that's the, the key element of it is is knowing and understanding and, and pushing the guys in the right direction. That's what's ahead of us. You know, we have and then it becomes a one week season, you know, literally at that point when you're when you're looking up at the others, you know, each and every week, it becomes a one week season for you. And as we're talking about the upcoming NFL playoffs, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for your current assessment of this current Bengals team and whether you think they could become <laughs> the first Bengals team to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, literally the other day I was watching the game and uh you know, when they scored before halftime, the Bengals did the field goal. 
And it's, oh, geez, well, no, not Joe Burrow's going to take over now. And he did. <laughs> and at some point, literally in the third quarter, I, I went to watch another game because uh, he's just outstanding. And there's a belief uh, between Mixon and the runners, uh, the receivers, you know, uh, Tyler, uh, you know, all the guys they have picked, they, they just, they, they play their chase, they play their tails off. And uh, they were out, you know, Hurst to tight end, but everybody steps up. And then defensively, you know, uh, Lou and the coaches over there are just doing a great job of, of you know, playing situational football. They're, they're, they're getting turnovers when they need to. They're getting stops when they need to. You know, they lost Sam Hubbard. The other guys step up and they get after it. So uh, they're playing really good in, in, in all three phases right now of, of football. And obviously the mistakes Tampa made, uh, you know, hurt Tampa down the stretch there. How many of these current Bengals do you want to coaching? Uh, there's a few still, you know, and it's Mixon? fun to see them have success. Uh, Mixon, Sam Hubbard, uh, uh, Jesse Bates, um, uh, Tupo plays, uh, you know, a defensive tackle, um, Tupo, um, you know, Tyler we mentioned. So there's a few, uh, but it, uh, you know, they're, they're good kids, great kids, and it's fun to see them having the success. They stay, they still play, uh, I guess, with what our vision of them was, and they're still doing it, which is great. Do you have any connection to the organization now, like any active, ongoing conversations with anybody? Uh, oh, yeah. Engagement? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I speak with a lot, of, you know, some of the coaches were on my staff still. Uh, they're still there, and, you know, Darren Simmons, a special teams coach, uh, was there with me my entire time. Darren was a ball boy for me in 1996 in Baltimore when he was wow. still a, he was a, he was still a student at Kansas, a punter and quarterback. And so I've known Darren for so so long. Dan Pitcher, uh, the the quarterback coach, uh, and so forth. But everybody in the video department, training room, yeah. uh, Mr. Brown. I, I speak with Mike, you know, every couple months. Troy and Katie Blackburn. So uh, we still have a lot of contact. So human nature it would only be natural for you to feel some gratification if they're able to win and continue to go on and have the type of season that they're having this year like they had last year getting to the Super Bowl well I don't know about gratification but just I feel good for for those guys and how hard they've worked uh you know I got a chance to visit with Zach about a month ago uh in in Dallas um and uh at uh, Adam, Adam Zimmer's uh funeral Mike Zimmer's son's funeral uh, and it was great for the Bengals to show that support for Adam and, and Mike and, and come and, and they flew down uh, a group of them to the, for the funeral. And, and so I just, I mean, I think everything he's done, you know, what he had to endure the first couple of seasons and, and how they did it. And they just kept their focus and kept forging ahead. And, and, and this is where they are now. And do you have any conversation with Zach about this current team? Does he ask for any tips? Do you offer any guidance? Like, is there anything like that? No, not really. Not that way. Uh, you know, that way we just kind of discussed some of the guys that were there when I was there and, uh, uh, you know, that way and just wished him well. Keep it up. He's keeping the seat warm. <laughs> right. Well, he's done a great job. He can keep, keep warm for a while, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You were the coach there for an awful long time. Your teams won a lot of games. The organization was very well run while you were there. As you look back on that time, what stands out to you? Uh, I think, first off, just how fortunate I was with that 
that group of players and coaches that uh, we kind of assembled in 03 to make the, you know, to start making a turnaround, you know, literally, uh, you know, one of the big things, you know, my, my thing from the very, very start there is we've got to be a pro and, and to follow that up was just do your job, learn how to be a pro and, and do your job. And I think the, the players that we added, uh, those that were in the building that were still there, that uh, really became leaders of the football team, um, and like an Artrell Hawkins, uh, who, who, who stood out of Justin Smith, John Kitna, who really helped us, you know, make a, make a turnaround. And, and then the guys who we came in from outside that we added, added as free agents that first year, you know, a John Thornton, um, Reggie Kelly, uh, some of the guys like that, Kevin Hardy, um, you know, and then the one that I screwed up was letting spikes out of the building. <laughs> Why do you say that? Uh, just because I didn't realize how tight Takeo was to Willie Anderson. And obviously Willie was a big part of that turnaround as well. It's probably one of the biggest parts. And those guys were, were thick as thieves. And uh, they had played together. And I should have, you know, Takeo would come in my office every day and tell me nothing's going to change. You got to let me out of here. Nothing's going to change. And uh, you know, and, and Takeo's like, it's going to, things are going to be different. You know, things are going to be different. You know, we're going to, we are going to, to get, you know, we're going to go win games. We're going to go win this division. And, uh, but eventually we, we let him, uh, you know, walk through free agency. Which was what he wanted to do. Which what he wanted to do. And he and I both agreed afterwards. We both screwed up. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. So he, he felt like he should have been there for the revival. Yeah, he would have been a big part of it, you know, but literally with his cap space, I think we added three players. So, you know, what it would have taken to to keep him in the building, we added like three veteran players off the off the market. And, you know, they were part of the turnaround. You know, Tory James, um, you know, was another one cornerback. So, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, but that's the hard thing, you know. Um, but I tell you, he was one of the guys who who was very uh uh, supportive of John Kitten, that you you don't need another quarterback. You know, we had obviously the first pick in the draft, and he was one of the guys who said, you know, he was worried again they'd pick another quarterback. They picked Kelly Smith two years before that, and he was worried about picking another quarterback number one, which ultimately we did, and, and Carson Palmer because he was a number one pick. <laughs> well, well, nice question. Did he didn't want you to pick the quarterback to KO? If the organization had gone a different way. What other player was under consideration to go number one instead of Carson? Or did that never even really get to the point where it was talked about the way that Takeo would have liked for it to have been talked about? Probably the three guys that we considered yeah. uh, were Byron Leftwich, Carson, and uh, – um, oh, my gosh. Uh, he actually played for us. Cornerback um, that Dallas picked. Um, oh, uh, Terrence Newman. Terrence Newman. Terrence Newman. So wow. the, the, the option would have been moved back the, with the possibility of that was discussed moving back and, and picking Terrence Newman. Who went um, number four, I believe that year. Yeah. So, um, you know, so obviously all fine, fine players, great people. And uh, so we were on the right track, uh, you know, that, and, you know, obviously moving back, we could add another, probably another second or something like that. They would have added another starting player. Uh, with that but the fact is the matter is you know Carson just stood out and he we actually brought he and Terrence in the last weekend before the draft we had a mini camp uh, for the guys that were were still on the squad and I remember walking uh, after practice after the first practice with Car walking back across street with Carson and I told him then he was going to be the first pick and uh, that he and I were going to be joined at the hip so we better make this work <laughs> <laughs> and he had a great career and he had a great career, you know, and that's the thing is, unfortunately, if you earn that number one pick, yeah, you hope there's a number one pick available when, when it's your turn. And he was worthy of that selection and went to way right? worthy of that selection. He just didn't yeah. get to do it all in Cincinnati. No, no. But, you know, uh, he obviously had the, the knee injury and then later on the injury in the elbow in 08, you know, and some things that, that just, you know, constantly uh, were kind of things that, that set us back a little bit. Marvin, the last few years you spent out in Arizona State? Yes. 
what was the big takeaway of spending time around college football, which is seems to me from my perspective to be a, in a different space than it's been in <laughs> other years because of the NIL money that we've talked about before. Well, yeah. I mean, I think in the first two years, 19 and 20, uh, it was still different. You know, I had been in the NFL to a 27 years after spending 11 years in college with the last stop being at the university of Pittsburgh, where we obviously had a lot of pro players, you know, uh, Sean Gilbert, uh, uh, Curtis Martin, Alex Van Pelt, uh, you know, uh, Keith Hamilton, you know, guys who were Ricardo McDonald, who I coached, uh, who were, who were pro players. And, uh, but things had changed so much in, in college, you know, back then those guys knew if they were fortunate enough, worked hard enough, played well enough, they got an opportunity to have a chance at the national football league. Now it was almost, it's, it's almost expected when they hit the door that there's just a three-year pass through and then they're going to be in the NFL. And then now with the uh, transfer portal NIL money, it's changed the, the whole landscape, you know, even more. How so? Uh, just the fact that you're spending all your time recruiting your players on the way in and then constantly recruiting during the season, after the season and so forth. And uh, to me, it's, this is not, you know, the thing about football, it takes 11 guys to win. It takes the 11 guys playing together week in and week out, day in and day out, in order to be successful. It's not the, the one best player. You know, it's the best 11, not the 11 best uh, that win. And, uh, and with this, this doesn't – that it, it, it's an uneven landscape now with the transfer portal, NIL money, because who to say that your child is different than my child? If I go into a parent's home – and we're, you know, your child is being offered by a collective, whoever they are, <laughs> X amount of dollars, but the next guy is only being offered this amount. Parents don't understand that. They think they're all the same. Uh, Marvin, we hope to see you back in the league. You're certainly worthy of that position. It's always nice to see you and talk to you. I wish you and your family very happy holidays and New Year. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's great to be with you. And there is the former Bengals head coach, Marvin Lewis. We certainly hope does get some interviews for head coaching jobs this year. Look, if you're an NFL owner, why would you not sit down to talk to Marvin Lewis? At the very worst, you come out of that conversation more educated and smarter about the way National Football League organizations are run and the way men should be coached because Marvin Lewis did a great job in turning around that Bengals team before Zach Taylor got there, and he certainly feels capable of doing the same thing for another organization during this upcoming head coaching cycle when of course we will get more and more head coach openings it's inevitable it's a part of every year i think there were 10 last year probably get five or six this year and then probably a lot more again next year because that's the way the league operates and i want to thank everybody for what an incredible year we've had on this podcast a lot of fun a lot of stories the guests who have been kind enough to join us, so many. My great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast. And of course, you, the listener, for coming back to this space each week, which we truly appreciate. We do this to try to entertain and inform and provide a little bit of perspective each week. And we're grateful that we have the opportunity to do that as we begin to turn the page on the calendar and move ahead to the year 2023. We'll be off until. The week of the NFL wildcard games, this podcast will pick up the week of January 9th. Until then, hope everybody has a tremendous holiday season. Be well and stay safe.